Welcome back to What Have You. I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. And today we're sitting in my future home driveway. With the engine off. And so you may Watching see... the wheat fields rustle <laughs> in the wind. It's kind of gorgeous beyond all right now. Yeah, you gotta it's look past really a little good. construction dirt pile and see the paradise beyond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is really good. It is. We're getting to that very end of the build process where everything is like it's so close but not yet. I everything. need to go in and look because it just keeps on being It's been like a week almost. since I saw it. And I think there's much changed since I saw it. Probably. Probably there is some change. Yes. It's been fun. Yes. Well, uh, I have to say we were out of town and I've been having people say I needed to explain my actions on the podcast because of what of you some did. Instagram posts <laughs> that I posted. <laughs> um, so last summer we took the kids back to England, which was fabulous because it had been 10 years or whatever since we'd been there. More than 10. 10? Yeah. We've been home for 10 Really? Yeah. And so, anyway, Whoa. they were little when we moved there and still little when we moved home. And so, it was so great to go back and revisit all the old stomping grounds and take them around. And and it was such a party. We had such a good time. And then, this year, we were like, we should see our own state a little bit because... um you know, there's there's a big amount of our state to see. And since it's right here, you don't always make the effort. So we're like, we're going to just do it. And it was short. It was just like three days. And we went down to southern Idaho. And, <laughs> and we decided to go out to see this ghost town um, called Silver City, which is way out in the Tule's. And, and um, there's two businesses in town still. One is this hotel, and one is called Pat's Whatnot Shop. So, so I think there's about five people in town at any given moment. Like, actually, just in is the, the town. Is the Whatnots just Whatnots, or does she carry groceries? No, you can get a Coke, you can get a candy bar, and you can get some jewelry, which we did, actually. There was some jewelry some that whatnots. was kind of awesome. There was some Whatnots. There's some jewelry that she got um, from... Indians, like local Indians that made Ooh, jewelry. I would probably like that jewelry. Yeah, it's real Why good. Why didn't you buy me some? It's real good. Um, and anyway, so so it was a true whatnot shop. And um, that's all. That's what there is. There are a lot of old remains of this mining town, which had the first electricity in Idaho. It had the first telegraph in Idaho. It was a booming, thriving scene at one time. At its peak, there were 2,500 people there, which is hard to imagine because getting into it, even with a four-wheel drive SUV, was a surprising <laughs> Do you have event. to come on foot to get there pretty much before? <laughs> well, and then in this hotel, which is ramshackle beyond all and amazing, there's this old big bar in there that they got in from, like it was made in Cincinnati and they got that thing in. I can't even imagine how, like on a stagecoach <laughs> with this huge mirror, you know, and it was just really that is surprising. Kind of, that is kind of novel. Yeah. And, and like, it's just dirt and there's this sign like 40 miles. There's, I think it's about 40 miles of dirt. Are you going to launch no, a I'm texting not. No, conversation? No, no, I'm not. I'm There's like 40 miles of dirt road, which at the at the entrance to it, it says sort of traveler beware 
there's no more anything from here on out. Like, there's no water. There's no nothing. There's, there's no, no huge... There's basically... There's no huge bars from Cincinnati. It was like, there's no help for you. If yeah. anything goes wrong, there's no help. So, anyway, we make our way into this little place. And this this hotel, there are just no words for this thing. It was... You have to go to Becca's Instagram and look at what it was. Some of the pictures I put up of rooms, our rooms they rent out, they were not the ones we had. Ours were actually, there was not wallpaper hanging off the walls. And there was a bathroom in the hall that you could use, which was very exciting. And that was it. There was one outlet in the the place and it was out in the hall so we could charge our phones. It was so funny. It was intense. It really was. But we had such a good time. It was like there's old mine shafts running under the hotel. I think that's the real question mark is whether or not it's going to fall through into the mines below. (laughs) Um, It was, And there were tunnels going from, we didn't go in, but running from the old Chinese laundry across the street. That was just the storefront. And then they trucked through the tunnel to the laundry, which was actually under the hotel. Anyway, it was all very weird. That is weird. Yeah. And it's just, there's a lot of people who come in like on four wheelers in the summer. And when I say a lot, I mean like maybe 15. Yeah. (laughs) Really the tourist bust of the year is when 15 four wheelers and a bustle. And, um, yeah. So we stayed overnight and they cooked us a breakfast out of coolers. I think that they had, had wow. running there. So, so did you have to make reservations here or do you just yeah, show up? No, they have to know you're coming. Yeah. And and um That's a really weird uh industry. How yeah, can anyone have found I a way to live know. on it? I don't know. Occasionally making but it, breakfast in an abandoned yeah, hotel but for people. The thing was is there was an actual reward for cattle rustlers. Like, if information leading to a cattle rustling problem. Like, it was an actual sign It was up. a current event. Yeah, and yeah. a wanted poster. Both tacked up in the entryway. And you think, like, is that... <laughs> I suppose if you wanted to be out of reach, you could go That's somewhere like that. Be. So, That's maybe it's important go. to get the word to Silver uh-huh. City first about wanted people. <laughs> well, and then we took a scenic route out, which is hilarious, because it's not like it wasn't scenic going in. It was stunning. And uh, you're up in the Owyhees, which I had always thought was like a mountain range, but it actually is more like a really high, like uplands. Like you go Mm. way up, you go up a mile and then you're way up at 6,000 something feet, but it's just this scrubby sagebrush, total Louis L'Amour happening up in there. (laughs) And sagebrush and that was about it. Up wow. there with these canyons cutting through everything. It was great. We had such a good time. But anyway, uh, when they showed us around the hotel, this lady showed us around and she was like, yeah, this is room 26. It's the most haunted. <laughs> and you're like, oh, like okay. by cattle okay. rustlers or and, wanted, <laughs> well, wanted no, men? I, the next day I'm like, she's like, so no ghosts. And I was like, no, nope, we're fine. And she's like, well, I've never seen anything. You know, she yeah. was trying to kind of reassure us, like, it's all right. And and I was like, well, what, what is it supposed to be haunted by? And she goes, well, I've heard a lot of stuff. She was like, you know, some people come down and, and they've run into Screaming Alice. And, and I'm like, why are they always named Alice, too? But anyway. Alice is uh, always used as that kind of a... But anyway, she... Um, 
She was like, yeah, some people run into screaming owls. She goes, oh, in your room, somebody came, uh, talked to a small child in period clothing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is, it it is interesting because you end up, you end up with like, well, what kinds of people go to places like Silver City to spend the night? They're, they're, you know, Becca, you and all the ghost hunters. (laughs) You are right. That's, and so how many times happens. do you think people in room 26 have been people who wanted to see a ghost? Probably every time. Probably most people who spent yeah. the night in room 26 yeah. were hoping for something probably. creepy. That's so, probably you know, why they're there. I'm pretty sure it kind of fuels the imagination to go spend the <laughs> well, night in Silver City. It definitely could do that. I mean, it was... We went up and looked at the cemetery, which was this strangely beautiful, like... Uh, just slope of a mountain. I don't even know how you would bury people there. It was like a rocky slope, you know, but just so quiet and so stunning and so remote. And it's like, you're looking at the headstone of a guy who died in the Bannock Indian war, you know? Yeah. One time Luke and I stopped in a really little town, rural town near here. And there, well, it wasn't in the town, but it was clearly affiliated with the town. It was Mm -hmm. like, there was an old farmhouse nearby and then there was this little graveyard and we're like it was like up on the hill kind of it's near Uniontown. Yeah. And and we were like, Oh we should walk up and see that graveyard. And and then it was just like a total mystery of sadness. Like we got up there (laughs) to this it was really a little graveyard. You know, like um like I mean I don't know, it was probably like thirty feet. You know, it was like a little Mm -hmm. little graveyard. But every grave that we saw was a baby the same it was all little children and babies the same year like there must have been some oh my gosh it was all really close together and it was like and this was the little graveyard that was just for all the children that died in one epidemic and it wasn't even like i can't remember if there were any adults in there i don't think it was just like a lot of children and you think i don't even know what this is, but I'm pretty sad about it but right it now. But it makes you so grateful for, you know, modern medicine. I Well, I'll tell you another In, thing. Here's yeah, another one. Or just one. the knowledge of how things... Yeah, it's really We sad. encountered a real mm-hmm. despicable event, you guys, on our way in. Oh, we're yeah. Driving, we're driving up this road. Rachel's gone back to her no, phone No, I'm not. I'm making sure that my... <laughs> We've gone... We're driving up this road, and it's dirt... Like, flat on the ground dirt. It's not like a... You know, it's not like even a gravel road. And, you know, we're driving along. It's kind of light dirt down there, too. It's kind of weird. It's different than our dirt. And there's these black things all over the road. And I was like, what is that? Is it like a... Is it like a... Um, my engine's off. That's why it's not it charging me. It on to charge it? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm like, what are those black things all over the road up there? Are they leaves? But they were like weirdly moving. And, yeah, all this and is And it's gross. like, wait, wait, wait a second. And we <laughs> stop the car. And the road is covered. And I mean like covered in enormous like locusts. We were like, this is... We're having were a, they this kind? like a plague of locusts. No, I'll show you. I, they were called, we found out later, they were called Mormon crickets because you know, the Mormons had that event with the crickets and then the, um, seagulls miraculously like ate them all or something. Uh. Do you remember that story? Mormon crickets and 
these things are like jumbo shrimp. They're like, they're like hopping around. It's like if you pictured a black jumbo shrimp leaping about in the road in front of you. And uh, this so, is not nice. No, I'm looking at pictures no, now. We took pictures, guys. I'm going to have to post. Yeah. And oh, so that's not good. They're, but they're all over the road. And, and there's no, there's nothing to do but drive over the top, like killing millions as we go. And it was seriously a swath, like maybe 40 miles of just solid crickets. And then we find out some nasty facts about them. Um, the lady in the hotel who ran the hotel, who told us about screaming Alice, she had um, a dog frisbee that she left out like a frisbee made of hard plastic <laughs> and they ate it she showed us uh, a picture not good guys no. when the crickets come she showed us a picture of the shard left it was like the size of a fingernail it was that's they ate it the whole thing she so said there bad. was a, a man who was there who left out some rubber boots outside and they ate a big piece out of those and they ate the rubber handle off of her rake and just that just all that and you can't what do you do, even burn them you can i know they're working the department of agriculture is working on a, something to do about them right but it looked like they were they were trying to deal with them in the town but we dropped over this ridge before we got to silver city and they they weren't nearly as thick like they were still you still saw some but they were not like mats of them oh, that's so gross and, and i just thought to myself you know i get it that people want to eat organic but sometimes you just want to eat and imagine sometimes what you want is the bug killing bomb <laughs> <laughs> because those things uh, i mean if they're going to no, eat because some, eat the frisbees some, some out things, of your lawn <laughs> some things are a pestilence it was so what as we one, were driving I this is so funny just as a side i just find this entertaining to be clear i am in no way opposed to more organic pesticide no. methodology i don't no. care but i did find it very funny that to keep apples organic i think they're spraying the the spraying the trees with coyote urine and i feel like there's a lot yeah. of questions that come to my mind about <laughs> who is harvesting that <laughs> and where is this actually authentically created do coyote I, urine but also do i feel better about eating i that? don't know i mean i'm like <laughs> questions there's questions but i just find it funny that's all is, guys is, we're not here to have a fight about no, pesticides no we're not but i was just feeling like what you need in this moment is a pesticide because we you have need, a pest you problem. need the raid people to be on this <laughs> well it was it was truly shocking and the thing is they all travel one direction so they're all going across the road one way they're all like heading north yeah. And if they run into a wall, they just spend their whole life bumping into it till they die. Like they will only go just that way. <laughs> and then if they hit water, they just drowned. Um although apparently oh, wow. some of the other colored ones can swim, but anyway, they we just drove over the top oh, and they're cannibals. So that's part of the problem is that you drive over them in the road, the other ones come to eat them, get driven over. It's it it just real, real, real gross. And so as we're driving along, just crunching over these things, 
we of course busted out a little reading of the book of Exodus because we're like, let's let's reread that. Let's because on our way to uh, the haunted silver city, mm-hmm. let's have some time to yeah, to, to celebrate the, the plagues, plagues of, of Egypt. <laughs> and of course, it was so disgusting because all of us in the car are going like, ah, oh, gross. <laughs> and then because they're huge, and then and then you picture them all in in your house and every oh, just everywhere, and then and eating. I mean, if they're eating the frisbees. And the rubber boots, you know they're leaving nothing behind. Yeah, no. Nothing they're, behind They're killing them. you. They're eating the floors out of your house. <laughs> anyway, but it did say in Exodus, I noticed that you couldn't see the ground between, which gives you that feeling that things were worse for them. And it said that there's never been a worse one. Like, it's just that that one, not never shall there be another plague like that. It was like as that. worse as it gets. So we knew that we'd not even begun to touch the level of trouble that was going on. You right. Know. That's really funny. I know. Um, so. I'm going to roll. No. No, you're not going to roll your window up. I am. I'm going to roll them up for a minute. So, anyhow, that's that's what we were that's doing. That's what Becca's been doing we for pleasure. We were encountering some plagues of locusts and some other exciting events. Yes. So, Becca, we meant to talk about something that was not haunted hotels and locusts. We did. We had something else. What we were, we were to going to talk about is sort of why we talk about what we talk about, what we what we mean by it. You know, like <laughs> what's the point? Well, of we've been this? getting some questions lately. Um, questions. Sometimes, slash... sometimes we get comments or questions, and sometimes it seems to cluster on the theme yeah. where you think, okay, yeah, there's something here that we should right. talk about, we should right. touch on. Sometimes they're just random questions, and that's great too, but when there's a theme, so we're not answering a particular one, we're just talking about um, something that's come up a few times yeah. lately. Um, which, how would you summarize it? It's sort of like... I would say it is kind of like how are you, like, how is you guys talking about Homemaking. domestic riffraffery <laughs> have anything to do with the gospel? Well, it's and kind of like, why don't if you, you if use you, your platform for good? Right. And if you care about the gospel, why are you talking about weaving? Right. Um, or if you, uh, or I guess sort of like, don't sort you of like, know, aren't there more important things? Don't you, well, yeah, but not offensively. It's no. not like, none of these have been snarky questions. It's just, and I, I think that this is such a big, big topic because I actually think it ties in with really big theological issues. And it that does. that's why it, to people who share our theology, it feels intuitive and obvious. And to people who have never been around um, I would say it's primarily post millennialism, right? Um, that for people who have not been around post millennial Christian living, uh, it feels bizarre. It feels sort of like, whoa, you know, you guys yeah. are like, why would you think that this is important or why? Um, and so fundamentally, I guess, like, how can you put this in that? This is, I just think that that's the overarching theological issue. So if you actually have questions, um, that is the theological issue to pursue understanding better. For us, it is the point, what we believe is that Jesus was victorious and that his victory on the cross is being worked out through the world now, here, not just in a heavenly 
Yeah, so if you were going to do the kind of like uber simplistic Cliff Notes version. Which is what I'm trying to do, and I'm finding it hard. It would be, yeah, it is, it's hard to just kind of like put it in a nutshell. But we don't think we're living in the end times. Yeah, like actually we we would see where we are now is still kind of part of the early church. We're kind of the pioneers, you know, we have to conquer this world still, like... God and clearly there's a lot left to do. Yeah, and God gave Adam, you know, the creation mandate of of like fill this earth and subdue it. And then man didn't do a good job with that. There was a lot of trouble, you know, as we know. Took a wrong turn right at the beginning. Then you have the second Adam who comes and obeys where the first Adam sinned. And then So it's a turning point in he all of leaves, history. He gives a command again to his disciples, which is go take the world. Like go the do great this. Commission. The great commission is go baptize the nations. And so we take and that, that whole, as that a, every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess like the we, earth shall be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Also Jesus is at the right hand of his father until his enemies have been put, uh, have under, been his put under his feet. Yeah. And so we Which believe still that, not, that we haven't gotten there yet. We're still there is still much to do. Right. So we believe that the work of believers here is living faithfully as he has called us to live, seeking to fulfill the great commission and build Christian culture and yeah. Christian uh and honoring God and bringing the earth to know him. You know and like the thing is is it, it's it's funny how this feels like totally not connected. But it so is because um, we think that Christians need to be building a culture that we hand to our children who hand to their children as we gradually are taking like over. Like leaven in the loaf yes. that it continues That's, to grow and multiply and right. spread. Like the mustard seed that is small but eventually yeah. grows or, to be big. Or the cloud the size of a man's fist. Yeah. Like, and so this is, I think, if you think we're living in the last days, then you have a, like, why would you bother building a civilization here? We're about to get raptured right, out, right. right? It actually does affect how you live. Actually, I remember grandpa and grandma um, saying they had missionary friends back oh, yeah. in the 50s, 50s or somewhere in there. That you and should mention grandpa and grandma who are not post mill, who were not post mill. No, they weren't. But but they had friends um, who thought that they were living in the last days. The tribulation was going to start any time now. So they, they wouldn't have any kids. It was like, of course we wouldn't do that. Why would we do that right, right now? So they never had children. The thing is, what you think about this really does affect some, How you some pretty mundane details right. about 100%. your life. And so if you feel like any minute now everything's going to be gone, then... Of course. Why would you? Why then would of, you spend time? Of what value is is a yeah. beautiful table setting? Right. Because and that's a and so the the point or, that we're making is that not that we uh, think it's a beautiful table setting is the most important no, thing going, so. but we believe it's actually a tool for the gospel. So, but then so you've got the pre mill approach, which really believes we're kind of right on the brink. And then you have the awe mill approach, which is sort of like Christ's kingdom. Yes, it's there, but it's sort of in heaven. And what's it's a more happening? Spiritual thing what's happening, happening and not here connected on earth to earth is not connected. Like you've got something else going on, uh, which also means the stuff we do right here on 
you know, in our lives on this earth isn't connected to Christ's kingdom, right? Like Christ's kingdom is in the Which, heavenly and it, places. And it creates sort of a otherware kind of a feeling about yeah. your day-to-day life that it's not, it's not the gospel in your daily and life so, with like yeah. when you're doing the laundry. So it actually think, well, creates... this is just the baggage of our earthly existence. Yes. And then to care about the details feels like you, you're, you're being distracted away. Like from you're Christ's being kingdom. myopic in some way. You're like or getting zoned in on something that doesn't matter. You're getting pulled off track, you know, yes. like you're right. Like focus on the more spiritual things and right. stop talking about yarn. But well, but yeah, because it's sort of like that, like, look, we have important, yes, Christ's kingdom, but that's all spiritual. It's all right. It's all this. It's almost pl- platonic, honestly, yeah, yeah. because it's like, mm-hmm. it's like it's everything. A, it's weightless. It actually only exists in your journal. Where yeah. you're or wrestling, your where you're wrestling with yeah. your, and and it doesn't exist in how you open your home to company, how you make food, how you delight in the beauty of pie. You know, mm-hmm. it it's, doesn't. It, it doesn't, becomes more abstract. It becomes right. more like doctrinal stuff is where it's at, and this and, life, and like doctrinal, um, intellectual thoughts are where yeah. it is. Yeah, it's not... Um, and But we do believe, and, and a lot of this, I have to be clear, a lot of this, there's overlaps everywhere yeah. with different theologies that, that and people who lean different directions. There's major... So we're not trying to say only our... Um, that no amil person no, shares this no, approach. This we, is, it's this not is that. Incredibly we're just trying simplistic. to... Yeah, yeah. We're just trying to explain our own selves but a little bit But what you, you believe about... Well, as dad always said, your theology comes out your fingertips. Mm-hmm. It just does. And if we... This is not good of us to start chewing gum. No, we just both put a piece of gum in. Guys, sorry. I'm going to take it out because I feel like I'm going to start smacking and blobbing around I just here. needed a minty flavor. I could go there. That's why I took it. But then I think this is getting bad. Yeah. But anyway, I do think that... Um, At least it since, wasn't sunflower seeds or something. No, that would have been worse peanuts. <laughs> since theology comes out your fingertips, and what you believe in the abstract actually really matters in the day-to-day. 100%. It does. You might not connect the dots yourself well, consciously, but it really does matter. So, Well, I would say, couldn't you say this is... Maybe I'm getting bad here with an analogy, but we believe your theology is a map. It's a beautiful map, but it is meant to get you somewhere. It is meant for the steps you're actually taking right here, right? right? So like the point of the map is not to hang it on the wall and admire the map. It's to go somewhere. It's to, sure. it's, and so when you say for us, we have this theology, but we actually believe it should be coming out in how we do our daily tasks. And we do think that scripture connects those things for us by calling women to love their homes and love their children and love their husbands. And to embrace that calling is not to sideline women. It is to give them a role in culture building, kingdom building, God honoring, gospel loving people. And of course, there's always multiple ways to do something wrong. Um, so yes, someone could get, um, distracted into, um, you know, only caring about a beautiful house for the sake of the beautiful house oh, itself. Oh, 100%. And people do. People do it all the time. I don't think they usually do it because of their post-millennial vision, but they do it because it is, it no, can be an is, idol. We think 
that this is a tool to build Christ's kingdom, and we think Christ's kingdom needs to be built here on this earth, not up somewhere in a different dimension. Yeah. We actually think Christ's kingdom is here and now, which and means then... I think beauty, which is something that women are particularly good at, beauty draws people and it mm-hmm. draws people to intellectual truths. I remember a teacher one time saying nobody was ever really convinced by an argument. Everyone's convinced by a person. And mm-hmm. I know that that is, that's too, I'm sure people are yeah. convinced by arguments, but as a general rule, it really is the person making the argument that compels you to want to believe it. It's the thing that makes it attractive. And I think women are um, especially good at this and they can use that for the gospel. And it is, mm-hmm. it's not like it is a separate category. It really no, and, is. And we see things like, like, I know, I understand that if you've never been around this kind of Christianity, you've never seen any of this in action. You're imagining it being some kind of weird hobby central, uh, Pinterest living of like everything, sure. all that matters is the photo shoot or something. And it, sure. and it is not that way. But the thing that I think is so, um, important is that we are trying to reflect God as, and, and what he's done for us in our salvation. And so like when people say things like, isn't having a loom a little superfluous, you know, why would you, what? why would you care about yarn when there are souls going to hell and and the reality is do I care about my yarn more than I care about souls going to hell absolutely not I don't care more about my yarn but but why does God make sunsets beautiful why did he give us sheep with wool that uh, that takes dye so well and all mm-hmm. these radically colored things that grow out of the dirt that can make dye and that can do this and and how much it's us receiving the gift of a loving father and and God makes the world beautiful with his art and how much can we reflect that as we make our much smaller worlds beautiful but also in another sense um i think that enjoying a gift is how you show gratitude for that gift. Like mm-hmm. if you gave your husband, like you gave him some, you know, I don't know, some great birthday gift, which he sort of said, hmm, well, I think the, I, I think, think it's spiritual truths are more are, important. I think it's more important and that, so our, just, that our culture is in debt. So I'm going to put this in the closet and not look at it. It's sort of like sad. It, yeah, that's not how you show gratitude. And, and it's not how you love the giver. No, and it's not, how you thank the giver. It's like God has filled this world with so much potential and so much beauty and so much to discover and so much to do and, and then, revel and in. And then I have to put right on top of that, the people who love it and who love it sometimes against their will. Yeah. That it doesn't matter if people don't want to believe in God. They love good food. Yeah. Like, and they, and if your home is a place of beauty and rest and joy and good food, how much more are you declaring a good relationship to the giver of those gifts? Like you are constantly declaring and to your own children, you're declaring how we feel about the giver of these gifts. But we also, and we've talked about this before, but gratitude is really the fuel that you should be running on. But I think there's a deeply ingrained 
sort of, it's like everyone that's Christianity has a big piece of glass in its foot sort of that's stuck way in there, which is we feel like we need to feel guilty. Right. And, and guilt is the motivator. Guilt should be the thing that drives us. Guilt needs guilt, to be always guilt there. Guilt for the gifts. Yeah. Oh, oh, guilt. I see what you're, I know what you're going with. So, yeah. so basically like you should be motivated by guilt in some way. So, so you kind of have to feel bad about something, everything. Well, I think that's what, what drives I think you what to, you're trying to say is that a lot of Christians suffer from a guilt addiction. Yeah. Because what they're thinking is it's guilt that motivates me sharing the gospel with a neighbor. But yeah. the reality is a far more long-lasting motivator is gratitude. The gratitude for what God gave you is what gives you this urge to share it with your neighbor instead but, of... But gratitude is connected to actually being thankful for the stuff. Like Right. Well, for instance, that husband who didn't care for the gift he got you, is he so excited about that he's going to go tell a neighbor? Nope. (laughs) He's not going to go tell the neighbor because he's not enjoying the gift he was given. But that that joy is so contagious and it is a thing that people want to know. Why are you like this? How do you all like each other? Why (laughs) Why are you always having fun and leaving the lights on in your house? Because that's a that's a thing we kind of laugh about as um, rolling the windows again. What we would call a lights out theology that is like (laughs) your house is just like a little bastion of silence with the light, (laughs) the lights out, the serious, the serious angst about your about the sin in the world and all these problems instead instead of being motivated by joy and gratitude and delight in the things that God has given us it's trying to be motivated by kind of a hunker down bunker yep. down and be thriftier is, you can't export what you don't manufacture right you can't right. actually tell people about the joy of faith and obedience if you don't know about that joy cuz you're always having a Right. Cranky face and, and so a in a attack. lot of ways we think that Christian homes ought to be sort of like a house on a hill with the lights on with a roaring fire and the door open. Yeah. Where and a good smell and, coming and out. a good smell and people in there laughing and people delighting in things. And so we don't and we think that that is showing gratitude to God. And of course, we understand that there are pitfalls that could yeah. be had in such a pursuit but there are always pitfalls in every pursuit there's lots of pitfalls in not having that pursuit right and And so many christians think it is beneath them to spend time trying to figure out things like how to make a good pie or how to do um because they think well that would be wasteful of my my but but this is the thing is does god care about small little details well, I mean, what do you the think? The further we get down into studying creation, the more complicated the more details it gets. we find. It's not like God cares about the macro, you know, like constellation levels, but once you get down into like microbiology, he's not right. interested. God cares Turns about out, the tiny details. He made and it. So we should be like him in that like we and should also, be he gives the interested details, in small stuff. God he, is interested in small stuff. And he gives the details import. He makes them matter. 
Yeah. So, like, the, when you're talking about does God care about the little details, well, not only do the little details make a difference in the big picture, like, they actually, I mean, it's not just that they're interesting if you can get one off. They actually contribute to the big picture. Yeah. And I, I do think that, of course, it is possible to do it wrong, get obsessed with the details, refuse to remember the big picture, all of that. Yes, of course you can do that. But we think that all these details about just mundane everyday life, we think they matter because we firmly believe in that big picture. Right. And so, yeah, okay, if you so if you got obsessed in it in some weird way no, and you like forgot that's, the that's point of it. That's actually one of the sad things. Like Martha Stewart is a really talented homemaker with no home left to make, you know, (laughs) like I remember the time many years ago when it came out in the, one of her magazines, like the divorce album, how she kept her divorce memories in an album. (laughs) Like, let me show you how to organize this. Or when it was like, now that I finished remodeling this whole house and getting it all done. So everything's perfect. We're going to start over. And yeah. remodel the whole house and get it all done. And that is a that is what happens when you have people not not using their domestic life as a tool for the kingdom, but just having it be an end in itself. Like yeah. we just enjoy this, so we do it, and that's the end. And yeah, we believe that that can be done, but we don't think that that Must has be to be done, done and yeah. especially not done by Christian women who are actually doing what the Bible tells us to do, which is embracing our role at home and not doing it like it's a sad duty but that it's an actual delight and that there's a huge role for women in this and I think I'm reading that embarrassment of riches about the yeah. um, reformation, reformation and, yeah. and it's bizarre in a lot of ways it's yeah. really weird but some of the things that keep coming up is that how the women through seeing their role as important made like it built a culture that was so powerful through women I having love, bizarre uh, standards. In of that things. book, it's very I, funny. I just I used that book back in college when I was writing my thesis, and it had a lot of great like leads to other sources about um, visitors coming to Holland, mm-hmm. which was really the most thoroughly reformed of. You know, like yeah. it was, England was always like slightly different and, you know, like it was, anyway, yeah. it was, it was kind of like a thorough, you know, thoroughly reformed. Anyway, I don't know if I should say most now, I probably overgeneralized. Anyway, it was a very uh, reformed place. Anyhow, visitors would come and these letters, they would write home about the women, the Dutch women. It was so funny. It was it like, scared everyone it was silly, like, those Dutch a, women. they're very beautiful. They're more beautiful than any other women. They appear to like their husbands. They are allowed to talk they in were, group But settings. they were also shockingly free in a lot of ways. Very like free. People were very yeah, upset they by were their allowed freedom. to talk. They seemed to like their husbands. Their husbands trusted but they were them. Also, but they were also given a lot more legal rights. Like they ran yeah. more businesses. businesses and and they, had, uh, they had more 
inheritance. Like, they played hardball financially, it seemed. And they were also, like, their houses were beautiful and clean. But the cleanliness was, like, almost psychotic. It was very funny. Yeah. Well, I don't think Holland has changed in that department. No, and they said that their (laughs) their front doorsteps had to be scrubbed every day. But you have to think, this was an era when, in most places, people were just throwing all of the sewer out into the street. Yeah. And in this world, the Dutch decided to scrub it, scrub and bubble the hole outside <laughs> all the time. It was like, yeah. we are handling it. But I think this is another thing where you realize your theology actually really matters. Right. And it comes out in details. Like, right. cr- clean streets and beautiful women and cheerful women who like their husbands and their, and husbands their children like them. and they like their children and they like their job and they enjoy their homes and, and they're so into it that is like this impression and i'm sure we've told the story before about have we been on this subject before on the podcast probably but i, I don't, don't know, know what story you're I building just up remember to. like um an old uh lady that we took to church with us one time mm, who yeah. was an artist and she was very she was not saved very bitter wasn't speaking to her children like it was just but Sad. she had an eye she was an artist you know like she appreciated beauty and stuff anyway she came to church with us once and her thing she said afterwards was i've never seen so many beautiful people and it's not because christians have better cheekbones no it's like it's it because actually... the prettiest thing that you can have is joy yeah. And freedom. And the remember the atheist who came and debated dad? Yeah. And, oh, that's and right. he was in town and he, he was at our house for dinner, wasn't yeah, he, he afterwards? He came to Sabbath dinner afterwards. And so it was like he and Dad had debated and then I can't remember who he was, but he was a he was a name. He was a decent name atheist atheist. And so he came and people were chatting with him at dinner about like, so you know, what do you think of Moscow or whatever? And he said, you know, he was like, I've never seen so many beautiful women. And he goes, and I live in Beverly Hills, which was. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you guys, that's not because we're running with the no, Beverly Hills beauties. No, it's not. It, it is because we're a bunch of Idaho women who know Jesus. And, and that, and seriously, and that's it. Yeah. And that's was, it. We know Jesus and we like Jesus and what he's done for us and what he's called us to. But and that, that is something that I think God has built into the world that beauty is compelling. It's like, actually, I think that's why uh, when, when people go into like deep rebellion, well, Becca, they rebel we also, against we beauty. We also had that hilarious time where... Um, Somebody who deeply despised dad, hated dad, super hardcore, and I believe was an author of lesbian romance novels. Oh, I forgot that detail. I think that's it. I think and that was true. I think that that's what she did. I think you're right. But she, you know, had a mullet. <laughs> um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not no, saying no, that I'm ironically. Not. It was, it was literally just... a mullet. And she hated us. Yeah. Like, hated us. And I think she'd had too much to drink, actually, at this point, which is why such things came out. She became a bit freer with her. She just didn't care so much about keeping up appearances. (laughs) But she said, I mean, she essentially... We've been chatting with her for a while. We've been chatting with her, and she said that if... How did she put it? She was kind of like, well... At the end of the evening, she was like, well, I guess if Doug Wilson raised you two, then... 
something. He must have done He must be right. doing something right. And <laughs> the praise coming from such amazing places. But but the point is is that loving God and being at peace with your role in building his kingdom and what you're doing is a beautiful thing. Being at peace with it, being grateful for being it, and being delighted with it, being in it. busy with it, and being like, and you know, recently, recently, I, I, when things are like tired, things are tired and stretched out and feeling run down, and yet we joyfully think God is giving us more and more capacity to do more, to lay our lives out, to spread ourselves out as thin as possible, and may he make it valuable. Like, may yeah. he make this work matter. And not very long ago, I am, in fact, making a quilt right now. This oh, yeah. is take your breath away with excitement that I am making a quilt. And it is for my daughter who, out of everybody, I'm trying to help them have something for their new room mm-hmm. that they're excited about. And mm-hmm. I have one girl who has just consistently said, I really want a quilt. And it's like a thing she wants to mm-hmm. sew. There's a lot of reasons. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons that me loving her is right now means at a time where it does not make sense in my life, I am making a quilt. Yeah. And I was not feeling like it all the way making it right now because because things are chaos and it's just like a wild time to take on that right. job. And I know that it's not like life or death. Right. It's just a quilt. But I also know that God gave me all this fabric and he gave me a sewing machine and he gave me a little girl that this will matter to. Yeah. And what do I think God wants from me in that moment? And he wants me to get over myself and make the quilt. Like, and that's, and, and to delight in getting over myself and making the quilt and And giving it freely to her as a, I hope that as you use this for however many years and run it down and mess it up and that, that I hope that this always contributes to your knowledge of how God loves you and what the world is like and what it's for and and how we delight each other to be a permanent, like you're describing this like really beautiful thing, you know, making the quilt for your daughter and you're moving into the new house and everything. But we actually think it matters even if I'm not trying to be depressing about your quilt. Even if, you know, something goes terribly wrong in the wash or the dog ate it. Oh, hundred percent. No, like it's not not, like you're not being depressing because the way I picked out the pattern for this quilt is I looked through the book to see what block could I sew the fastest. (laughs) This was how I picked it out. And I was like, listen, how about we just say, we'll use the fabric that I have, like instead of picking. And so that's what we're doing. And we're randomly like, we think it matters, even if it's the sort of thing that the wind blows away. And if, the wind, and if the wind blows it away, the other thing that matters right after that is me laughing about it. Yep. Like the things that are eternal and valuable mm-hmm. is offering it freely to God. Because nothing is permanent. You make a beautiful flower arrangement for the table. It's going to be dead. It'll and die. horrid by Thursday. going to make a good meal. Everybody eats it. Yeah. And yeah, so they keep doing so that. So you do the thing even though it's transient because that's what life is. Right? It's like, yes. it's just, it's love honestly yes love is what 
should be driving this and it should never be guilt of like oh no i haven't shared the gospel enough no because what gives you reasons to share the gospel is living a life full speed joy and gratitude and what you have in that instance is the gospel overflowing like in so many different places to talk to people about and i feel like if women all well Look, I wrote a book on the subject. Read Becca's book. (laughs) I think if women all decided to embrace their role in that way, I don't think our culture would have any idea what to do with it. Let's write a book together. It can be like a sequel to both You Who and Even Exile, and we'll call it The Confluence. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is, like, okay. The the Confluence of Domesticity. We also have to, like, finish this up. But the thing is, um, some people have said, like, but we we need, like, tangible, like, ideas or, you know, like, that kind of thing. And I I get that. Like, it's, sometimes it's all great to talk theory, but you kind of need a picture of something, you know, to, like, send you somewhere. But this project is far bigger than any one woman could ever give you a checklist right, for. Right, because, guys, this... I haven't ever gotten to... I've never gardened well. That, no. And so the some of you have to handle that. you got to be but out also, there. Also, it's like this requires women of all walks of life in all parts of the globe. But also... And all of them using their imagination. say I want to say something important here. Not competing with each other, but Gosh, shoulder, no. but shoulder to shoulder, encouraging one another, inspiring one another, being like, well, if she can make bread like that, by golly, I think I can make bread yeah. like that. And let me, like, let's just work together because we're not all supposed to be doing the same thing. We're no. all supposed to be doing it for the same king. Well, just think about but it. But not like, exactly the same Imagine things. if you had a community of faithful, Bible-believing women in Morocco. Like... It what cool look, things would happen there? It would there. be so different. And I can't, like, we couldn't be like, here, ladies, this is oh. what you need to be doing. No, because you know what they don't need to do? They don't need to make <laughs> quilts like me. No. They don't need to do that. They're probably got to do something cool with tile. I yeah. don't know what they're up to, but it's good. And the thing is, is, like, we need all the women using their own individual gifts and their own imaginations and their own obedience. And, and raising yes, their own children in the love of the Father. But, like... like cross-pollinate by all means but just we need too bad we aren't excited about this topic (laughs) too bad we can't gin up any enthusiasm lots more women guys lots of them doing this and so that to bring this full circle that's why we talk about it yeah that's why we talk about the things that we're doing it's not because and i loved like almost loved with the point the comments that i get from various things that choke me up which is funny to say it, but they do every time, was one message I got a while ago from someone who was thanking me for something. I can't remember. It was probably was the podcast. It was something in whatever. But she said, so here I am up in the, I feel she was out in the outer fringes of Canada somewhere. You know who you are when you you listen (laughs) to the podcast saying that she made her first pie because, and she said she made her first pie and messed it up. And because she was listening to us, she laughed about it, threw it away, and started over. That's great. And you know what? Choked me right on up. You know why? <laughs> because I'm like, because there's people in Canada that are going to have a better life with pie. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna be up there making pie, and it's going to be so much better. <laughs> and then the other thing is, on our last episode, whatever quote that was that Jake put up of me saying, how many things could I be bad at for a long time? Yeah. And somebody commenting that, 
I think this is why my wife is learning French now. Oh, like it's the um, best. Learning French and somebody else said that they started a quilt because so of it. Great. And I can't tell you how much that delights me because I think that is the goal. Or when I was at somewhere signing books and people are actually in line and ask me a sourdough question. Like That's where they're lovely. like, So I'm it. trying sourdough because of you and someone else, you know who you are team Sherwood out there who brought their knitting for help in line and I, I and to me that is so delightful because it thing it's like women wherever you are I said that about I have a daughter who wants a quilt I have fabric I have a sewing machine but wherever you are you have things at the ready that you could use that you could yeah. and it might be to. a quilt it might be sour no, I'm, it I'm might saying be, it might be look here it might I be am a different with, language it's yes, that's awesome. we don't know that's but awesome. but the point is there are ingredients and components at your hands, at your fingertips that have been given to you that you could glorify God by enjoying, by by diligently working to learn something, by thinking, like Chesterton said, anything worth doing is worth doing badly. Yep. It's worth learning. It's worth the struggle of learning. And so it's worth trying to make pies and trying so, to make things. I hate to bring it to the Iliad, but I'm going to. Um, Why not, though? I mean, <laughs> I like to touch base on the classics. We were uh, reading the Iliad in the car. Uh, on our way back, which was hilarious. We were alternating between that hideous strength and the Iliad. Um, and we're, you know, right before this Let's big battle. Let's not let it be said that the Merkles aren't interesting people. <laughs> <laughs> so, Becca likes to establish her street credit <laughs> as the odd one. So we're reading the Iliad and you've got before the battle, like, right. It's this big battle is coming and Agamemnon is moving through the ranks and he is getting everybody ready to get yeah. out there and, and yeah. do it and win glory and do all, you know, like, yeah. and he's just working his way through the ranks and he's, some people he's sort of trash talking and other people he's encouraging right. and it's this whole thing. I kind of feel like that's what we're wishing we could do. Yeah, that's what we're trying to like, do. And ladies, that's why, and that's why we There's a actually, battle here. And it's why we think that the podcast is a tool that might be for the used gospel. for the gospel if we get women to learn French and try quotes <laughs> and learn to bake bread and like, and how much more could we in, should we share the gospel because, through equipping and encouraging women to yeah. use everything at their fingertips to delight in the gospel? Because we have a world to take. Yeah, I mean, this there is, is important stuff. There is work to do, and we yeah. need, and there's enough work for every last one of us to throw our whole lives into this and still just be the early church. Exactly. Now. We need to have a tip. Wow! We got <laughs> to go. We, we gotta have get soared this done. to enthusiastic heights we today. Have. We have indeed. Okay. I so. want to say something real fast. True for single women also. Oh, gosh. That the should be a separate that we have podcast. children, we need to do another one. But I just want to say right now that it is not. Building culture is not only the role of married no. women with children. Also, it's every woman. being domestic should not be only if yes. you're married so with children. So we're getting that out of the way real quick. Maybe yeah. we'll do a different podcast We, we should that. do that. Um, okay, tip. Do you have a tip? I have a tip. Um, I probably have a tip. You do yours first. Okay, guys. The 4th of July is tomorrow. And we all know what that means. Corn on the cob. Corn on the cob. I am, well, I'm pie. And pie. And homemade ice cream. <sighs> True. I'm 
bring a lot of meanings. And I'm bringing the corn on the cob to the thing tomorrow. Now, I don't know if we're going to get this posted before tomorrow, but either way, it's good for the summer. That And I've said this before, but I'm reminding you because you probably forgot. Cooler corn is amazing because you can do corn on the cob for all the masses that you need. So mm-hmm. you get as many shucked ears of corn as you need. So do all the shucking. No, make your children do all the shucking. It's anyway, put them all in the cooler, boil a big pot of water, like a stock pot of water, and then pour it over the corn and shut the lid and then take it to wherever you're going. It, it'll be perfect by the time you get there. It's like 30 minutes, maybe mm-hmm. that it, and it stays another, hot another the technique. rest of the night. It stays hot. You can just keep going and getting another hot ear of corn out of the cooler. It's real good. Yeah, another component that we can to save for the 4th of July is to cut your watermelon into sticks of watermelon that are much easier to eat when you cut than it. a triangle. Yeah, like when you cut it into like, you cut it, you slice it, and then you cut it into like where it has a square of rind at the bottom mm. and then a pillar of watermelon. Yeah, that is a good tip. Then you, it's easier to fit on your plate mm-hmm. in that orderly fashion. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, I yeah. just. And the other tip is make a pie. Even if you've never made one if in your you life. you've never made a pie. One. Actually, uh, uh, we got to think, let's think right now. We just got to tell everyone to share, a, share it. Share it. Tag us in your pie pictures. Oh, that'd be fun. Tag us in your pictures of your 4th of July pie time. And I guess if they tag us, then we'll see it, right? We don't awesome. need a hashtag. No. Just hashtag tag us. spread the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank all you right. all for coming and Have listening to week. our impassioned time. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>